Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, and welcome to the wrap up your Raptors Republic postgame live show. This is the official one. And guess who we have on today? We have none other than Samson Folk, the Raptors Republic weekly, the man of the weekly podcast, the man of, of Rapcast. Um, I want to get immediately into this game. We also have Oren here. Like, I don't have to introduce Oren every single time for you guys at this point. Um, Oren Weisfeld, Complex Canada, Guardian, damn near everywhere on the planet. Um, tonight, the Toronto Raptors lost 105 to or 103 95 to the Dallas Mavericks. And guys, um, immediately getting into the game, who who stuck out to you the most? I think I know what you're going to say um, in terms of players. Um, but I know Oren did want to talk specifically about uh, a certain player. Yeah. So I feel like Luca took over that game in the second half. Uh, he yeah. finished with 27 and 12 assists, one rebound shy of a triple double. Um, but he was he picked apart the Raptors defense, right? And and like part of that was foul trouble. OG and Scotty got into it pretty early and they tried Banton on him, they tried Precious on him, but obviously those aren't ideal. But like the question I have more so like goes back to this offseason, a big talking point was the Raptors defensive scheme, right? Mm-hmm. Uh it's too aggressive, they fouled too much, they're out of position to rebound. And all these role players are lighting us up from three. Meanwhile, stars last season were not lighting us up, right? Just That's kind of like Ben Nurse's philosophy is like, let's really double team stars, get really aggressive on them and, and make, uh, make role players beat us, basically. It's a good strategy in the playoffs. Regular season remains to be seen. This season, Tatum and Doncic have gotten much more one-on-one coverage. They're mm-hmm. switching ball screens um they're living with the results and like compared to last season at least in my eyes the defense isn't nearly aggressive against superstars so i'm wondering like samson i know you i think you wanted to tone it down a little bit right like in in the offseason so like what do you think about the way the raptors are playing defense to start off the year and yeah like today was was it okay the amount of aggression on on luca i think it was especially at the start of the game when we're talking about how they played and obviously with Boston it worked quite a bit this strategy they're running out currently this scheme works very well when there isn't a big man to punish them they can switch Mm -hmm. across a lot of stuff and if there isn't a guy who's going to threaten on the short roll like a lot of the best big men do and Chris Depp's Porzingis doesn't really and uh, neither did Al Horford really in the last game or Robert Williams the Raptors with their length can tag and be very aggressive and they can even switch at the top and above the break that all worked great, but that's probably something you have to, particularly with Luca. That's something you want to switch up as the game goes on because you can't give Luca the same scheme. He's going to get a feel for it, and that's exactly what happened. And then the game slowed down significantly, and Luca, as far as a half-court creator, is significantly better than anybody that the Raptors had. And I think this, this defensive scheme is also, you could see the limitations of it against the Wizards as well because Gafford was pretty potent and Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal are both exceptional in the pick and roll and driving. That's where the weakness is, is you can't expect to just stop everything before it gets to the crucial point of the possession. And the Raptors have been exercising some of that preventative rim protection defense that uh, Henry Ward talked about however long ago. And it, like it's really good at times. But teams will get used to the rotations that are coming. And as we saw, Lucas started playing cat and mouse with guys who were tagging the roll man, guys who are pinching in off the weak side and all that kind of stuff. So it created a very advantageous situation for Luca. Although I don't think the defense was really the main culprit in this game. Although yeah. you can see the, the yeah, seeds yeah. of how it might be problematic in the future. I had the offense, obviously, and not being fueled by transition, which kudos to Dallas and Luca for... Th- really slowing things down but uh yeah it's offense in this one and really too bad that fouls came into play 
And obviously mm. that affected the spacing. Like having, as much as I love Delano Banton, the funk fest that he is, having him as a guy who's spacing out in a set is a lot different than OG Ananobi. And so when the ball ends up in somebody's hands and they can't really do anything with it and there's maybe five or six seconds left on the shot clock and they have to try and create from a standstill, the Raptors were in way too many of those situations. And so this game to me seemed like a limitation of their offense more so than their defense. Yeah, no, for sure. I think for me, guys, um, we're talking about Luka Doncic as a half-court creator. And Samson put it perfectly. This As soon as the game slowed down, Luka thrived. And you saw in this game, I thought the Raptors did a pretty good job in the first half, not just against Luka, but I think the whole team, they, they bogged down that Dallas offense to the point where they looked um, terrible, to be quite honest with you. And I don't know if that was more of a faction of the Raptors' defense or the fact that Luka just couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, and then the third quarter, as the Raptors started slowing down, OG was out of the game. That half-court offense just sputtered. Um, OG left the game. Scotty even left the game at one point with a minor hip injury. I hope everything's good with him. Um, and then it got to the point where the Raptors just couldn't score. And defensively, they were leaky. Uh, the rotations weren't as tight. Um, guys were coming late. Threes were being hit. And uh, for the Raptors, you know, the game started off with me going, you know what? The Raptors are going to be so much fun this year because it's just so much youthful energy. And uh, I think even when they lose, sometimes you can get some positives out of that where you're telling yourself that, I mean, this isn't a boring team to watch. I mean, there are spurts where where um, the youthfulness does show. There's a lot of mental mistakes. I think there was one play specifically where um, the Raptors were in the middle of a run, I think at the uh, middle of the fourth quarter. And, you know, Luca just looks up court. It was either Luca or Tim Hardaway Jr. looks up court and just finds a wide open guy in a corner, drive, and it's an easy layup, and Nick Nurse calls a timeout. So those type of plays I don't really understand. I don't know if that was just a simple miscommunication. Um, no one knew where they were supposed to be. Fred Van Vliet looked like he was, you know, not too happy about it. But defense is going to be the theme this season for the Raptors. I mean, Nick Nurse predicated the system around uh, length, around OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes. He threw those guys as much as he could at Luka Doncic. Um, Oren, do you think that, you know, OG had to be less? It just felt like for me, he started off so well the first half, uh, considering, you know, the last two games he struggled to shoot the ball a little bit. Do you feel like in the third quarter, um, the fouls were kind of his fault in the sense of him just kind of losing focus or there's one foul where he just runs into the back of maxi kleber and i was just like what is og doing it seems like he didn't have control of his body for a second and that was his fifth foul and he had to sit yeah i think that the fouls definitely took og out of his rhythm and like some of the refing was definitely soft but to a certain extent it's definitely his fault but he he has to control himself better because the team is so reliant on him um but like going back to the defense I think like at a certain point it's it's hard to criticize anything they did because Luca was just like that layup he hit over Precious. Uh the like the floater was like he was just on the top of his game in the second half. He wasn't really missing. And so like I'm not sure if an aggress a more aggressive scheme would have helped. Mm-hmm. But like like for me, the jury's still out on that one. But I just think it's interesting to note because last season when we saw the Raptors play the Mavs and Luca uh specifically it was it was like we are not losing to Luka Doncic like if if these role players want to beat us uh that's okay but we're not gonna let him beat us and and he did beat them today so I just think like it's an interesting like difference in the way that they're playing defense this season and and I think like part of that might just have to do with youth um maybe he he wants to dial it back a little bit for those guys but part of it also maybe just has to do with the fact that it didn't work last season. And I don't know. It's just, I also don't know if like, it's going to be like this all season. I think maybe against certain superstars, it does ramp up. Um, But it's just something to kind of watch for as the season goes. But like, you're also right to say that defense wasn't the issue necessarily tonight. Like Mm -hmm. the offense was was really the issue the half court offense was the issue and and og and fred carried them as much as they possibly could but kind of the disappointing thing for me tonight was like we've talked a lot about depth on this team a lot of people have said how deep this team is and like i've always pressed back on that because it's so young that i'm just not so sure that the depth is going to show it on a night-to-night basis and tonight was an example of like the bench just didn't score enough right 
and the bench was an issue. I thought it was really interesting that Boucher didn't get any burn in the second half. And yeah, it was just interesting to me that OG and, and Fred carried them on the second night of a back-to-back and the young guys were really not really, you know, Scotty was pretty good, but in general, the young guys weren't really there to help carry the load, right? Yeah, Samson, I wanted to ask you a question because in this game, you know, you mentioned the pace. The pace slowed down completely. It felt like the Raptors were setting the pace in the first 24 minutes of the game. They looked very good. Uh, defense was turning into offense. They were moving the ball really well. Um, and it felt like everybody's role um, was crystal clear. Gary Trent Jr., I tweeted during the game that, you know, it feels like this season his shot quality has improved a lot more. It feels like he's not really taking as many shots where you're like, whoa, why would you take that? I mean, you saw that a little bit in the fourth quarter when they were on that run back um, where he was just trying to force up anything at that point, trying to get a rhythm going. But other than the pace, um, what do you think kind of led to the Mavericks pulling apart from the Raptors in this game? Yeah, it does stem from basically what the Raptors like to do. And I know it's kind of a cop-out because I'm going to go to pace again, but Mm -hmm. the Raptors, just by nature of how they've built their team, uh, they are inextricably connected, the offense and the defense, because they're so reliant on transition play and the ability to turn the ball over that. You have to play not only good defense, but you have to play a a potent turnover-heavy defense on top of getting stops like you can't get a stop collect the ball and then walk the ball up the court and expect to score more than 100 points in a game if you're the Raptors you need guys like Gary Trent Jr as you said the shot selection has been better a big part of that is he's been a more willing participant to fill lanes in transition this year than last year and that's a way for him to get to the rim And that's a way for him to get free throws. And that is multiplied with several players on the roster too. So it's tough to remove those things from one another. But yeah, when it comes to half court, you wonder if... Like the thing is, OG had a really great start to the game. But that wasn't the type of shot diet that we saw in the preseason, for example. Mm -hmm. OG started hitting the shots that everybody's accustomed to him hitting. And then hit that little flash of off the dribble pop. Uh, the dunk that he had on after, you know, the spin, then the snatch back against Luca, then drove the lane. That was gorgeous. It was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Great move mm-hmm. and uh, definitely got Luca on his heels. And But that was just a flash. And for the most part, OG was just playing the part that he's used to playing. The Raptors, they don't have the requisite talent on the roster to punch up in the half court against a team like Dallas and so I think it was just Dallas winning this game rather than the Raptors losing it Dallas is supposed to win games like this as much as they were bad in game one and as much as they had a hiccup in this game and as much as I don't think Jason Kidd is going to be a very good coach I don't think he has a great track record but Luka Doncic the same way that he isn't LeBron James but LeBron James against many teams over his career has said we're slowing it down and they cannot do what I do when the game is slowed down And Luka Doncic, in a superstars league, was able to impose his will on the game. And the Raptors just can't keep up with that. And if Pascal Siakam was there, from a standstill, the ability to create rotations, find players, that would probably help a lot. And it would also create some urgency for the Mavericks to maybe break out a little bit of their, the offense they were running through. But for the most part, I just think it's, you know, Luka Doncic wins games for you. And the Raptors are a young unproven team that is going through a play style change and they're they're up and down mountains valleys and that kind of stuff so uh but i do like that you brought up gary trent jr because he's had a he's had a great start to the year i think game one obviously wasn't good but uh for everybody it wasn't good it's nice to see him contributing outside of three pointers like he doesn't have to go four for nine from the three-point line to have a positive game currently are you guys a little bit worried about you know the Raptors bench because I'm looking at the box score and I don't you know I don't just obviously just base my opinions you know solely off the box score but I'm I'm just taking a glance man and and Chris Boucher only had eight minutes in this game and he looked like he just couldn't get anything going with his shot um, you know Ken Birch looked meh you know Goran Dragic he did have that inspirational video that was going across Raptors Twitter where he was yelling at each and every Raptor. You know, you guys need to watch that video again and watch Ken Ken Birch's reaction. I don't know if he was just really tired. He was just like, this guy just got here. Like, what 
why is he telling it? I don't know what it was, but it was it was hilarious to watch. Um, it looked like Jamal McGlure loved that loved that little speech. Um, the Nick Nurse uh, slandering his players has started game three. I don't know if you guys picked the over or under on game. Jeez, man, he's so brutal. But we got game three for for Nurse Damn. to publicly announce his his errors. <laughs> That's a good segue. Uh, I, we I thought it was really interesting sure. that that yeah, exactly. I wanted to get back to it, like. I tweeted out like, what am I missing here? And like, he did take some ill-advised shots. Don't get me wrong. Like I saw what happened in the first half. My thought was just, we're on the second night of a back-to-back. Boucher's one of your more experienced players. Uh, how is he not seeing any burn when also these guys are in foul trouble? And, and, mm-hmm. and the Raptors skewed a little too small for me at points in the third and, and fourth quarter where they had like a, I think it was like a Svif red, uh, Trent, like, uh, and then and then like, you know, Precious and OG kind of looks, and, and like that's not their strength, right? The whole idea is that they want to be a big team, and they want to like be really stifling on the defensive end. And I thought for all the bad that maybe Boucher did in the half court, he was still fine defensively, and and like I just feel like he's earned a little a little more like respect in terms of maybe he's not having the greatest game but like let's give him one more shot here in the second half to to see what he can give us um were you guys as surprised as me that that he didn't get any time in the second half and not only that actually he didn't even come into the game until like late in the first quarter way after Svi and um and Kem and uh, someone else came into the game. Like, it just feels... Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Boucher isn't, like, the sixth man. And I don't know if that's a conditioning thing or something I'm missing. Well, I think Mick wants him to earn it. I'll just say... I'll just leave it at that. Samson, what do you think? Well, if you can think of overzealous big men are basically... That's barbecue chicken for yeah. Doncic. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? If if Luka Doncic, who makes his money in the league on basically winning every cat and mouse game possible, like this was a game, for example, that typically I, I disagree wholeheartedly with the Raptors Republic comment section that has a vendetta out against Fred. Like everything bad that happens to the Raptors is because Fred is six feet tall and every <laughs> like everything bad will continue to happen for that reason. But here's yeah. the thing is this game that was actually when Luka got the switch onto Fred. That was really bad. He'd get the hip. He'd get downhill. Can you imagine a worse player to put in those positions where he has to try and outfox Luka Doncic in these one-on-two situations that Luka has an advantage in than Chris Boucher? I think that's why he wasn't getting the run is because Chris Boucher is a he's not doesn't have incredible defensive feel. He has incredible defensive measurements. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's long. He can jet set himself around the court. But Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the world at getting you to take a step the wrong way. Yeah. Chris mm-hmm. Boucher is very eager to take that step. So I thought 100%. that he was having I thought he was having a bad game. And I thought that's probably why he didn't get play, especially with the Luka was becoming more and more prominent in the game as it went on. So that's why I thought Boucher wasn't in it. That doesn't mean Boucher won't eventually like maybe carve out the six man role or whatever that looks like. He's, he's an incredibly talented player, especially like if you can run a flare or a pin down for a six eleven guy, and he's going to shoot even anywhere above 34% from three, that's worthwhile to look at. And so yeah. Boucher, it'll come, but I think this was a tough, tough matchup the, for him. This Richard. play hurt me. This play hurt me. And I know people are going to talk about the, the hustle back and the block, which was nice. I mean, we've seen Chris Boucher do these, do was, these, uh, alien like blocks before where he just sprints at you somehow it doesn't foul you and gets all ball uh it feels like he does it every single time but i mean the play before that the shot selection it's like i don't know man chris i'm I'm starting to get a little fed up with chris's shot selection in the last couple of games um, yeah no that's an excellent point that's, that's why not we... a shot either that one you just saw like that that's that's crazy to me like the, the fact that chris believes he's has the green light to shoot that in this in this offense i don't know this isn't Aaron Baines Raptors anymore. That that type of thing, like like Chris Boucher, like Precious Achua, you know, Kem Birch, they're doing their thing, and uh, people are very happy that's not Baines. So like Chris Boucher can't come in and go one for six from three and have people singing his praises. You know, it's no, but the bar's a little higher. Yeah, no, and I th- I, th- 
I think when you guys talk about the shot selection, though, like, first of all, that's a great point, Samson, about Luca. And I didn't really think about that, but that's probably is the reasoning. That is the logic. And I mean, maybe there were some minutes where Luca was sitting when he could have got him in. I would have liked to see it, like, because he does give you that pop off the bench. But that's a great point. Um, but in regards to what was I just going to say? Um, Boucher. Talking about, oh, yeah. In regards to his shot selection, right? He missed all of training camp with that with that finger injury. And it does very much feel like he's kind of he's not in the rhythm of their offense at all. Like you mentioned, Kem and, and Precious are much more in the rhythm, even though like sometimes Precious, it's Precious at you a time, and that's all that's all him. It still feels a little bit more natural. He's he's reading the defense, he sees Porzingis backtracking and he goes at him. Whereas, you know, Chris, he's just taking bad shots and to me i wonder if that's like a symptom of the fact that he hasn't had much time to play with this group and he 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 realizes like oh i haven't shot the ball in two minutes let me let me it's chris boucher time you know and also, that's a concern sorry, sorry. no go ahead I'm, that's um it. i also think like brandon clark and jaron jackson jr brandon clark's huge rookie year and then the sophomore slump a lot of people around memphis think that's because he didn't get to play next to jaron jackson jr again and that really affected his game. Chris Boucher, and this is something I've talked about ad nauseum, is if you look at like pass rating metrics, Pascal Siakam created some of the best looks on average in the NBA last year. And who was there to feast on them? Chris Boucher. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like not and Kyle Pascal, too. Yeah, and Kyle. Too. Well, particularly in the pick and roll. Yeah, you you get the you get the low post looks or forty five extended looks from Pascal where he rotates the defense swing swing chris boucher or 45 cut chris boucher and then like pick and roll chris boucher had by far the most pop as a roller last year so he doesn't have both of those things and fred van vliet who has made steps as a pick and roll passer is still very much a work in progress and even then he's somewhere between average and mediocre so he's had a lot of the pipeline to his points taken away and maybe there is a bit of pressure from him that he's like, I was a guy who was given like 15 a game. I was giving guys buckets last year. Like, let me start pulling step backs. Let me start taking it out, dribbling it back out, all that kind of stuff. And it's just the shot diet looks a lot different than it did last year. And so, it, yeah, it's it's going to be tough this whole year because they are missing a max player. They're missing a max player. Like That's, yeah. a, that's if, what it is. Yeah. If, the, if the Mavs, well, honestly, if the Mavs didn't have Porzingis, whatever, but if they didn't have Luka, it would be a fundamentally different team for sure. Our producer yeah. is playing Fred Van Vliet clips. You talk about Fred Van Vliet. He wants us to talk clips, about Fred I have too Van many clips for Fred Van Vliet not to talk about him. Who, who I did think had a really good game uh, and, and kind of kept the Raptors in it for long stretches, but um, I'll ask you guys, like, does it does it are you okay with how much Fred has the ball <laughs> in the half court? Like, is this is this what because I said on this show in the preseason, I was really impressed with how Fred was kind of taking more of a playmaking role in the preseason. And it hasn't really like this game, he was hitting a lot of mid-range shots, and that certainly opens things up for him, but I just like I don't think that the half court offense is ever going to reach its potential if Fred is handling the ball this much, and I'm kind of surprised to see him handle the ball this much because Samson, like you said, OG is he's getting the ball in the spots that we're used to seeing him get the ball rather than like OG here's the ball, create something, maybe take a pick and and go create something. And I kind of anticipated coming into this season that we we're going to see a lot more of OG on the ball. Yeah. Uh, and and Nurse has also talked about his bigs bringing the ball up, and like a lot of that has not happened, and it's kind of been a lot of Fred Van Vliet once again. And this game is a great example of the limits of a Fred Van Vliet led offense, right? Because he was really good, and and they still didn't really stand a chance. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck in the middle on Fred because. As much as I want to say that he's been handling the ball a little bit too much, um, there are tons of possessions where you catch Fred dribbling the ball for maybe 17, 18 seconds of the shot clock, and then finally it ends up in, in someone else's hands. But just overall, his his playmaking load seems a bit overwhelming for a guy that um, has never really been a primary playmaker on this team. I mean, you could say the second half of last year he took that role on um, as Kyle Lowry was out, but 
Um, I, I'll give credit credit. Like he's become a much much better playmaker. We've seen um, you know not just the fancy passes that he's done in the first couple of games, but just his overall vision for the court, uh, for who's open in this system and the sets that Nick Nurse runs. He looks good, and the reason I'm on the fence is because. With Fred, I almost feel like when he's not on the court, the Raptors look a bit lost. Like he is a leader in his voice, but he's also a leader in terms of where everyone should be on the court. He's really taken the Kyle Lowry role. Does he perform the Kyle Lowry role as well as Kyle Lowry? Absolutely not. I mean, that's not a question. But um, I think with Fred, it's almost like he's doing too much. But then when he's not on the court, I'm, I want him back on the court. They're not doing thing. enough. So, yeah, they're not doing enough. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, and the Raptors don't have a guy because for me, Dragic. Well, Dragic um, was really bad tonight too, and that's part of go. this conversation. I, I'm there. I'm there. Oran. He's I think there I'm there already. I think, I think, <laughs> no, I honestly, think I'm already there with Goran. Yeah, I'm gonna let Samson talk about Fred, but I'm there with you in terms of the sooner the better, only because I think between uh, Banton and Malachi, I want to see those guys get some minutes sooner than later, and and it's more than that than than anything to do with winning for me. Yeah, but yeah, I think I, it's. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, guys. No, I was just gonna say I, I think Goran would have loved to switch jerseys today and just play beside his his brethren in arms, Luca. So, I don't know, Samson. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's in the NBA. Sometimes it is not an equal uh, layout. The NBA does not work like that. And what we're talking about currently with the limitations of Fred VanVleet offense is the limitations of the roster. Like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who do you go to, right? And this no. is why you know, hey, another opportunity to give Pascal love, but. Why we took for granted, not me, why, and not many people here, but why the Raptors fan base took for granted Pascal's leap, right? Because OG Ananobi is attempting to make that leap, and a lot of it is about application of skills, but it's about the threshold you have for yourself to willingly go into 55 possessions a game as like the ball could end up in my hands and I'm going to have to create something. Is it the full 55? No. Is it going to be over 30, hopefully? Yes, and OG, as we see in this game, there was a limitation to when he was willing to create. He did get passive at times, and that does start trending towards Fred if that's the case. And when he was a little bit more aggressive, we didn't see any playmaking verve from him in the first two games. It was just a lot of jump shots. And this Mm -hmm. is where players have to figure out how they're going to assert themselves as a primary. And Fred is currently a much better player than anybody else on the roster at doing that because he's had so many possessions to do it. Scotty, I think, has done an admirable... We haven't talked about him yet, but Scotty's done an admirable job of trying to pick up the offense at times. But he is a rookie who has an up-and-down jumper. So the Raptors currently, right now, they have to rely on the three-point heavy, you know, three a lot of variance, that Fred VanVleet offense. And that's the way it's going to be until Pascal comes back. And until Fred, or sorry, not Fred, OG and Scotty really start to figure out how they're going to apply themselves as the guy who get the the guys who get the first touch on a possession and the first action is looking to spring them loose. But currently, mm-hmm. I mean, we we've seen it. You know, it hasn't been the Raptors for quite a few years, right? With between Demar Derozan, uh, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam, but. There are teams in the NBA, you watch them and you say, wow, they don't know where the ball is supposed to go. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, like DJ Augustine has a lot of the ball. Is there a better alternative? No, this is just the DJ Augustine offense. And those teams lose a lot of games. And the Raptors are currently staring in the face of Fred VanVleet offense. And they have been for some time. They know the limitations of it. And that's why since they went with Scotty and that's why they're trying to imbue a lot of transition offense into the the team right now is because they know there's severe limitations. That doesn't mean Fred's bad though. It just means no, he's not at all. Fit in that role, like he's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. But all the things that he made his money on, the bet on yourself mantra, that was paid off by off ball stuff. Whether it was as a defender pinching in at the nail, dig downs, heavy hands, or as a catch and shoot guy who is relocating and finding opportunity to kill teams on the back end of offensive rebounds or in quick little slip plays and flares with Kyle Lowry. That was where he made his money. This heavy pick-and-roll player has never been Fred's game. But the Raptors are like, hey, Fred, I mean, you're the guy now, so you got to do it till Pascal gets back, and OG and Scotty will help where they can. But 
interesting. Yeah, and that's a good point. It's almost like the Raptors have nobody else to kind of carry that torch. So it has to be Fred. I mean, there's no other. There's no other choice. It just has to be Fred Van Vliet. It, um, it, I mean, it, it has to. OG has to take a leap in terms of being aggressive. And like one thing, I'm going to keep my eye on this season is free throw attempts. After half, OG and Fred had zero combined, and that's just that's not going to cut it. Uh, on the second night of a back-to-back, when your offense in the half court isn't good, that's just those guys need to figure out ways to manufacture easier points. But uh, yeah, yeah good, segue us into scotty Barnes to the man to the rookie to the 19 year old so scotty barnes you can see here on lewis Zatzman, our our managing editor the man of raptors republic uh he says if my math is right scotty barnes will finish with 52 points over his first three games that puts him second all time among raptors rookies over their first three with the record previously held by damon stoudemire damn hey guys cool. what math do you think lewis is doing that he's doubtful about That's... the number 52 <laughs> What math is he doing? I think I think the math is the other rookies, probably. Like it referring to not not the fifty. Yeah, I don't think it refers to the Scott, Damon Stoudemire at fifty-eight. Like he's sweating, wiping his brow, like shock <laughs> at the free throw line. Like, oh my god, did Chris Bosch score fifty-three? Like I'll hate myself if he did. You know. This- yeah, no, I was gonna say. No, this, we have an update. It's actually fifty. Him. It's fifty-four. Oh, there we go. There's the update. Uh, Fifty-four. He's four off. <laughs> yeah, he's he must be yeah, killing so. himself for that one. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna hop in his DMs later and tell him how dare you? How could you? How could you do this to us? Your math was wrong, Lewis. No, but let's talk about Scotty for a bit because uh, we talked about him quite a bit yesterday. Uh, yesterday, um, yeah. and I think he deserved it. I mean, we saw a a game from Scotty that we probably would have imagined in, in the preseason. This would have happened, you know, around the all-star break, maybe even later. Um, Scotty has a big role in this offense. Um, the Raptors, you know, Samson said it, how, you know, Kyle's not here anymore. Siakam's injured. So the Raptors look um, to Scotty, you know, whether you like it or not as a guy to create, not just facilitate for other guys, but they're going to look for him to take that jump shot that you just saw him take right there. And, do these little things where he's not necessarily doing too much, but they also feel like offensively he is talented. He is a guy that makes very few mistakes, um, whether it's in transition or in the half-court offense. Um, for me, guys, Scotty, you know, I think I'm with you, Oren. Yesterday you said, you know, when Siakam gets back, OG's going to have to move to the two. You're going to have Fred at the one, and you're going to have Scotty at the three. You're going to move, you're going to plug in Siakam at the four, and you're going to have either Birch, Birch or Precious at the five. I said they need to try it at least. They need to okay. try big boys, baller brands. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched Scotty, and, you know, even in his growing pains, because not everything's perfect, obviously, with Scotty. I think even in his growing pains, this is a guy for me in this offense that just, he just looks like he belongs in this league. He doesn't. He just doesn't make many mistakes. He, the, the Raptors offense flows so much better with him. He always moves around and dribbles around with some sort of purpose. He doesn't look lost, which is what you see in a lot of rookies. Top five rookies, top ten rookies. Um, in the tweet, you guys see uh, Eric Kareem tweeted, Nurse There's... thinks Barn has been good, but he needs to be more aggressive to activate his passing. Nurse has um, hu- huge immigrant parent vibes. Like he's never <laughs> satisfied. How are you not satisfied with Barnes three three games? Please, like I don't. Yeah, that's I, I only have good part, things right? to say. I, 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 sorry. Oh, that's the interesting part is that Barnes has been succeeding largely on things that weren't what he w- that didn't earn him notoriety at Florida State mm-hmm. University. Like he, there are scouts who think he is one of if not the best playmaking big prospect of the last 10 years like competing with like Kyle Anderson and Bam and guys like that and yet he he dominated in the preseason when the games were pretty loose and there was a lot of transition and now we look in the regular season he isn't creating a lot for others it's more so his ability and his feel for how he's being defended his body control and his manipulation that gets him baskets when that wasn't at all what he was billed as coming out of college. It's been kind of he's flipped the narrative on its head currently, right. which is right. why things are so crazy. Right. He's scoring significantly more than people thought. 
I said this last night, but Sam Vecini at the Athletic called him a, a, a no level scorer, right? In the draft. Yeah. And, and that was funny. And when we picked him, I thought about that and I was like, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? But no, like Scotty's been incredibly impressive today. The reason, I mean, this season for me today was really impressive. And it was mostly because, you know, he got hurt. He didn't have a good third quarter. It looked kind of like his night was over in terms of him affecting the game. Like there was a pretty long stretch where he was absent. And then in the fourth quarter, he just provided this scoring punch. And he kind of he led this little fake comeback that we love to see every night. And it was like, oh, like no moment is too big for him. And that was really encouraging, just that like he never got down on himself because it wasn't his best game for, through the first few quarters. And he picked the, the Raptors offense up in the fourth. And yeah, like overall, I'm I'm just incredibly impressed by his his reads, his processing speed. He very, very rarely makes the wrong read, I feel. And it's just like he doesn't play at all like a rookie. He doesn't get sped up when the ball's in his hand. It's just all these things that like you expect a rookie to to make mistakes when there's pressure on you. He doesn't do those. He doesn't he doesn't make mistakes with pressure. He usually makes the right read, whether it's scoring or passing. So like Nurse going hard on these guys through three games, knowing it's a rebuilding team. I, I kind of question that strategy because yeah, I mean Boucher, whatever, but like Scotty's given you everything you could have expected and more, right? Like I'm 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 really impressed and happy with him. I, I think it's kind of ludicrous, right? Because if he's saying he wants him to activate his passing, it looks as you said, he makes the right reads. So are you just saying create more advantages in his third game where he just gave you 25 and 13? Right. And that's the like thing. the half court offense is poverty. And you're telling this kid, like, hey, just create more advantages. Because he does make the right reads, but he's also he's not like Tatum. He's not or or Doncic, right? Doncic runs a pick and roll. The defense flattens it out, and he's like, "Okay, I'm getting two feet in the paint. I'm gonna I'm gonna create the advantage. I'm gonna make the right read." Like that's not Scotty Barnes. The guy he can dribble, he can get himself into space and spots, but not with the regularity of a like a star, which is what the Raptors need in these types of situations. So it is a strange critique. But maybe, you know, maybe Nick Nurse is just looking at the box score and he's like, assists, man. We need more of those, you know? Yeah, like yeah. yeah you're right, though. I, I don't – Scotty, you know – oh, this tweet was great uh, from Jason Satour. I hope I said that right. Um, Kevin Pelton, his grade he gave the Raptors for drafting Scotty Barnes, a big old D+. Plus. Um, and I love Raptors Twitter because they always find these things. Like, we found it – we usually find it in the midseason – um we found it three games into the year and um yeah leave kevin pelton alone he's 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 good and people make mistakes um i mean his explanation said in the long term deciding to take scotty barnes number four overall ahead of suggs might dominate uh might dominate our assessment of toronto's offseason so let's leave kevin pelton alone because not everyone imagined scotty barnes to be this good this fast um i'm sure Sam no one did, and, and, and myself didn't either. Yeah, no, we can no, all admit we that. Should, we yeah, should be but, celebrating but, but, but the people. A plus. Like you can disagree with a pick, but to give it a D yeah. plus, <laughs> like, that's heavy. <laughs> it's so, if it's... Gerard goes to my Twitter, you can actually see a picture of me in the war room with Masai cheering the pick. So <laughs> we should be celebrating the people who supported the pick, okay? We yeah, that's true. We bring the people who had we the foresight for it. Which is not Raptors Republic, unfortunately. We are actually <laughs> famous for hating the pick live out of Toronto Bar. Uh, Dude is Zarrar. I can't find it. I can't find it. Running go, go, to yeah. go to media. Go to media. That was good, though. Twitter, man. Here? Okay. Right. Sam, did you make that yourself, did by the way? Or was that? No, not that one. No, no, no. Sam gives a lot of memes. <laughs> <laughs> what is this Twitter account? Samson goes crazy during the game. There it is. There, there it is. is. Okay? Me, Jimmy Butler, and Masai all chilling out, celebrating the pick. Wow. Where's Where's Bobby Webster? Oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, He's probably that, beside you or something like that. But that's exactly it. Like you can't criticize him when the roster is just clearly 
like no one could have expected Scotty to to have this much usage through three games and no, even this many minutes through three games. And the fact that he is playing this well with this much much usage is like only promising for their future. There's there's really no negatives to point out, but yeah, I, I mean we can leave that topic can we, alone. Can, can we get to the uh, Orin's breakdown that he wants to do so I can get out of here? Okay, yeah, we have a couple okay. of plays. What do you want to do? Uh, I got like five minutes, so what, what do you just want to do? Just sh- show whatever play and we'll talk about what it. What do you mean? Think... You, just, you just know what plays I'm going to show? Or... No, but we'll see what you're going to show. Okay, all right. I think, I think they were just defensive plays. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe, no, there there's an array of plays. But let's just yeah, break there's, down. There's a bunch here. Let's just break down some film. So, so Sam, uh, Oren like sends out these clips, like he's gonna break them down later in the show. Like during the game, he's like, "Cut four thirty-four third, and then he never talks about him. I'm ready. Let's do <laughs> okay, it. Okay, all right. Let's let, <laughs> let's evaluate Oren's, uh, you know, breakdown capability. We're all gonna we're all gonna right. do it together. Jump Oren, in. Evan is. Hey, I, I, I got so... a defensive play in oh, the first man. quarter. <laughs> That's too much pressure. I, I got a defensive play I'm in the first right. quarter. I got a. Porzingis miss in the third, and I got to just play them. Uh, play them the word that I'm looking for. Play them like in in sequence of the game, please. Oh, oh, okay, got you. Okay, yeah. so let's see. Uh, I let's think this is what we got. There we go. This is an offensive turnover. Go nuts. Oh yeah. So this was Fred, <laughs> this was Fred's playmaking, and I wanted to ask you guys, like, what was the read here? Because I thought probably the weak side corner was the read he should have made. Uh, well, he missed the pocket pass. Like he he missed the pocket pass, and, and I think that's why that Precious up. gave him that look. Yeah, yeah, right. So that there it that's, is, right? Yeah, like, it's oh man, that's an like easy bounce one pass, maybe. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. So I mean, I just want to point out, you know, stuff like this because this is exactly what we talk about when we talk about a, you know, the beginning segment about a Fred Van Vliet miss. It's it's a lot of plays like this throughout the course of forty eight minutes that, you know, in each of each of them on their own don't really kill you, but all put together it's a lot of reads like this that just are a tiny bit off and they kind of they, they no, that's not a bit. tiny bit or that's bad that's, i don't know if he saw especially porzingis he, he porzingis flipped his mm. hips you need to get yeah. the ball out of there like the the big man flips his yeah. hips right there he's dead in the water mm-hmm. which yeah. means that the lob was there yes but also fred dribbled into a place the proximity porzingis where he was scared of porzingis blocking the lob when it, yeah. yeah, just hit him with the pocket pass. But also, if Doncic digs in, then okay, let Precious decide what he wants to do. But yeah, but Luca's yeah. in no man's land the whole time, so he no, also but... has the skip if he yeah, wants. That's, that's, look at and Luka. that's what I was gonna Luka's say. Is, Luca's, but you can see like if you focus on Luca for the whole play, he starts creeping a tiny bit. Like you see him yeah. take a step forward, and maybe Fred just made the read too late. And once he saw Luca in his peripheral, he's like, I can't make that pass mm-hmm. anymore. But I think it should have came there. Like as soon as you know. Samson said it as soon as the hips were flipped, that bounce pass should have hit. And then, I mean, Luca isn't stopping Precious at that point, and Porzingis is, is in front of Fred at that point. So, and yeah. that's oh man, just I miss Kyle Lowry so much. No, but this is why I tweeted in the game like, that's the lob they connect on because because they connected on an insane lob at the end of the third quarter, right? Fast break, everyone's sprinting. Fred throws a perfect lob, Precious dunks in like. I've seen three games of you guys playing together now. Not once in the pick and roll have you just had an easy lob. Just easy. like, And this is the one you guys you know, connect on. So I just thought that was funny. But those two, they have a lot of work to do in terms of uh, getting, getting pick and roll pe- chemistry. And Samson, this is something you and Lewis talked about in one of your preview pods. Was like, yeah, we ask a lot about Fred, but like, I mean, it's Fred, but he needs to develop chemistry with one of the rollers on this team very quickly because they're getting almost nothing out of the pick and roll right now in the first three games. Um, It's not working with Cam. It's not working with Precious when when Fred handles it. And that's just that's a recipe for, you know, it's a it's a staple of NBA offenses for a reason. And right now the Raptors aren't getting anything out of it. But yeah, we can go to the next play. Yeah, I think we can be, be, be this flog this horse. Okay, here, here's we one flogged more. Flog this horse, as everyone says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you're so old. So uh, uh, okay, this is a this is a defense play or something. Here you go. go nuts. Can the audience hear you, Zerar? Uh I think so. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> they nice. absolutely can. 
Okay. I like Jalen Brunson. Been a fan of that yeah, guy for great. quite a while. He's going to play important Chris. basketball for the longest time. Oh, watch Scotty Barnes here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I remember this one. So, so once it goes back, you'll see Brunson calls for the pick. He wants, I think, either Cam or Boucher in the pick and roll. The Raptors smartly switch it because they don't want that person going to the pick and roll, right? So so I think that's Scotty there coming towards it. So then a different Maverick comes and sets the screen instead. But just watch how smart Scotty plays this because he realizes the spacing is all fucked up. So he kind of mm-hmm. just takes he, – he just cuts off the lane. Uh, it is a gamble, obviously, right? But, like, he he makes a lot of gambles, and I really thought that, that – offenses would make him pay for them more because he's a rookie and he's coming into the NBA. And when rookies make gambles, you, you pay for yeah. it, but he, he really smartly gambles. And this was just a good example of that. Like he cuts off the drive here, forces up a really tough shot. And this is just Scotty's defense. Like these, these are things you can't teach obviously. Right. Can it's we, can instant. we pause it midway through the play? Uh, we don't have that technology. I don't have the capabilities for that big man. But yeah, the, the, the ceiling is the roof for Scotty. Oh man, yeah, um, Scotty for me, I think you're right. The, the spacing for for Dallas was all types of messed up on that play, and he like he was in a position where he couldn't really get caught out because if I would say if you could stop, if you could pause the play, which I know we can't, um, you can't. Kristaps is rolling; he's there anyways. He's in the paint waiting for him, and he knows Goron has you know, Jalen defended pretty well. I mean, the, the ref could have called a foul on that. Um, but Jalen is not, you know, some insane playmaker. He needs that screen to oh, come to initiate the offense. What do you oh, want to nice. pause it? There we go. There he go. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. Zarrar with the moves right now. All right. Um, I think if you paused it on that second one, Zarrar, thank you. Um, I think for, 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 for Scotty, you can get caught out. Porzingis is on the perimeter. He cuts there. Porzingis is slow as shit. He's not. He takes him th- three, four seconds to get into the paint. At that point, Barnes can do two things at once. He's shadowing Porzingis with his back, um, and Barnes is athletic enough to defend a lob or anything like that. But also, he has eyes on Jalen Brunson, and then the perimeter guys can just stick to their man. I mean, Svi is giving a little bit of room to the corner guy. I can't see who that is. That Reggie Bullock in the corner? Mm-hmm. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe he's a little bit off of him too much, but Jalen definitely can't see that. So Jalen has no choice but to throw it up. My question is, guys, and this might have nothing to do with the play, is why at the end of this play, you saw it at the end when Chris Boucher grabs the rebound, why is he running with the ball? These are the types of small things with Chris Boucher that just No, that's what Nurse wants him to do, man. Uh, Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. He wants the bigs to run, but I think it comes with... I'm okay with Scotty running. I'm okay with Precious running. Chris Boucher... I think I saw maybe a thousand times last season, get a rebound, run, run with the ball, dribble it up the court and make a decision that you're like, how long has this guy been playing the sport for? Because I'm okay. Again, with the bigs dribbling it up to a certain extent, Chris Boucher for me off limits. I don't think, I don't think I just, I, I don't like it. And it gives me anxiety. And I already suffer from that, so okay, please stop I, that. I, I, I got hey, Oren, your next play is based. So Sam, you want to comment on? Uh, you haven't spoken. You, you want to comment on this Chris Boucher thing? Yeah, uh, Chris. Just I'll talk about like obviously Scotty. I'll make very quick. Scotty did something that all great defensive players do. You cheat in the right spots all the time. Pascal mm-hmm. does it. OG does it. Fred, Kyle in his heyday, they all did it. You know when to cheat, and you know who to cheat against. Scotty, the seeds of that are already there. And then with Chris Boucher bringing it up. I love guys who bring up the ball and establish contact with a man and they erase somebody from the transition sequence and they know that guy isn't going to factor into them. So if you look at like a slow-mo version of Scotty Barnes where he was taking the ball up, I can't remember who he had on him, but he basically attracted two defenders in transition and only and he negated both of them. But the guy he had his body on, he wasn't looking at. It's, it's establishing and, and eliminating people in the open floor with your body. That's really high-level transition stuff. It's something Kyle Lowry all, like always did. Establish the contact and look elsewhere because you're creating a five-on-four. And Scotty was able to create a five-on-three. That's super heady at his size. I love that. And uh, Chris Boucher will never do that. So give the ball up, Chris. Uh, so, yeah. Or your next play, I think, is a fake comeback. So I'll just play it here just to uh, – I think this is like when you thought the Raptors were going to come back, but 
I think we all know know that knew that it, well, it didn't happen, obviously. So this is that. yeah, exactly. So forget about that one. Okay, I mean, forget. I mean, the thing about Boucher is, um, if you want to blame someone, I think you have to blame Nurse because he's asking his bigs to bring the ball up the floor. I don't think it's really fair to criticize Boucher for for doing it when that's what he's asked of. And yeah. I just think there's going to be growing pains. You saw growing pains with Pascal Siakam last season when it was the first time he was really asked to be the playmaker in transition rather than the finisher. He got significantly better as the season went on as a decision maker in transition. You know, Boucher, maybe none of us have the same faith that he will improve to a, a high degree, but I just think these are the growing pains of the system, right? We're three games into a new NBA season. Like, there's going to be growing pains in terms of like executing on what the coach wants. And this isn't like his whole game was an example of that because a lot of the, the people complaining about his decision-making, it did come in transition. Um, but this again makes me think about Scotty Barnes, which is the amazing thing is that he's had zero growing pains as a transition playmaker. Like, He's making the right reads again and again and again when he has the ball in transition. And like, yeah, the thing that stuck out the very first time I saw him play was like, and I said this to to Lewis, like, from the time Scotty Barnes picks up his dribble to when he has to get rid of it in transition, he has five different reads presenting themselves. Like that's his strides are so long, his head is his his head is seeing where everyone's at. His mind is like his execution is just so that he can make any pass. That like Scotty has so many reads between when he picks it up and when he gives it off. That like he's he's really really hard to stop in transition. Yeah, absolutely. This is a play that I specifically um, asked to be in this because I think this is the perfect encapsulation of what the potential of this Raptors defense can be. Like the length you see, the disruption the good closeouts, the final rebound from Chris Boucher. So it starts off with Jalen Brunson, gives it to the high post, Chris Stapps, and you see Fred is on him. Guys, Fred for me is becoming that guy where my heart doesn't start beating faster when there's a seven-footer on him in the post. Just like with Kyle Lowry, I had so much faith in Kyle Lowry's ability to read the game um, from a defensive standpoint when he's guarding a big in the post. And Fred almost like... It's like he he loves this opportunity. He has Kristaps on him, and Kristaps is a guy that's been, you know, begged and begged by the NBA community to to take advantage of his size in this league offensively. He does it defensively very well, where it felt like, you know, Precious Achua specifically just kept forgetting that Kristaps was 7-3 and was running into a brick wall almost every single play. Precious played pretty well as well, but um, I feel like Kristaps offensively, he was on and off. Shot was falling. Fred, you know, started off really, really well on this play. And then it just gets swung around. Corner three, closeout. That's a really bad shot for Dallas. And then a final rebound by Chris Boucher. It was almost like everybody had a, had a you know, a chance in this play to make a defensive stop. And the closeout there by Fred's a tiny bit late. But, I mean, that's what Nick Nurse asks from you. Closeout there is great. That's a really, really good shot contest from Chris Boucher. Close out there is good as well. And then that's a contested shot and then a rebound. Defensively, guys, this team has the chops, I think, to be top 10, uh, maybe the bottom half of the top 10 defensive team. Offensively, I think we're going to see a lot of growing pains. But defensively, guys, are you okay with what you've seen from the Raptors three games in? Wizards, uh, Celtics, and Mavericks? Yeah, like the the cool thing about this game, and while Luca, he won. Luca outplayed them. He figured it out. But I the thing is, in this game, the biggest thing is that the Raptors were able to pick on Kristaps Porzingis early. That's what this defense allows them to do. Right? Is they have a lot of like sized players, so they can basically choose who they want to try and exact their will on them early exactly. on. The reason why they had and were able to cause turnovers and get out and run is because Porzingis had the ball in his hands a bunch because the Raptors would flatten stuff out. And when Luca would survey, they'd see, okay, Fred is guarding Porzingis. Gary Trent Jr. is guarding Porzingis. And you're getting fadeaways and stuff like that. That's a unique aspect of the Raptors' defense is they can target things that they want to happen defensively, and they can steer the ball there. That's when it's at its best. 
Now, Lucas started steering the ball where he wanted it later and started being a little bit more direct and going to the rim. But the Raptors also did that in the Boston game. And Boston, when they were completely vexed by the tags to the roll man and the pinch-ins like, at, the, at the nail and stuff like that, the Raptors' length at every position, similar to how the, uh, the Heat really complicated actions above the break with their, uh, with their inverted zone, adding that length means that you have to get the ball deep. There are players like Kyle Lowry who are very good at switching play and getting the ball deep after moving the defense away and warping it. But most players, most offensive players, if you restrict their activity above the break, they don't have that many counters because they basically just have to turn it downhill and start playmaking on the move. The Raptors, they oblige a lot of players to do that who aren't comfortable, and then they create turnovers in those scenarios. When they had Porzingis and Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith and even Tim Hardaway Jr. to some degree, when they had that going, excellent. But Luka just hemorrhaged the possessions for himself. But when they're going well, they can steer the ball into the weak players' hands and put them in uncomfortable positions. In years previous, that was trying to get them to shoot off of like a pound dribble to their right. That was where Mm -hmm. they were breaking. This year, it's a little bit more on the drive, which actually I think does benefit the Raptors better. It's not the same, but you're asking limited players to do more. And that that does seem to be the crux of Nurse's uh, scheme. Is it ingenious? No, it's not ingenious, but does it benefit the players on the roster? Totally. Like, is Malachi Flynn a you know a worse player than Delano Banton at the NBA level? Probably not. But who looks way better in this context? Delano Banton. Mm-hmm. It's it's just what 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 you're playing to. The Raptors play this incredibly niche style of basketball that mitigates some like very pedestrian and regular NBA skills like pick and roll basketball. They say to hell with that. Can you be super rangy on defense and can you go behind your back and then do a scoop like underhand dribble and then hit somebody in the like in the lane for a dunk? Can you do that? Are you funky? We don't want a pick and roll guard. We want a funk fest. Like it's an interesting context to see teams play basketball in. And I also suspect that's why we're seeing uh, Scotty Barnes progressing way faster because he's just being put in positions where it's like a bunch of broken plays. And a bunch of stuff banging around everywhere. He's just and thriving he's such, in chaos. <laughs> yeah, thriving an agent of chaos, of course. Yeah. For a player who has terrific feel, instead of just these stagnant, triple threat, you know, pick and roll possessions where he creates an advantage. He knows what advantage he creates. He makes the pass or the float or whatever. No, it's these broken plays where he feels his defender on him. And because everything is, you know, bent out of shape, he has a one-on-one in the post with no help side. Whereas last year we saw Pascal Siakam one-on-one in the post with a ton of help side. Scotty just gets to leverage all of his funky, you know, inherent advantages in those situations. And the Raptors are really leaning on that, just being able to make reads in live action. Yeah, yeah. I know we're going to wrap up here, but to answer your question, like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy with the defense so far. Like, Luka is Luka. Uh, even if they defend, like, like, he, he was going to get his regardless today. He just entered a zone where he became extremely hard to stop. Uh, through three games, though, I think considering the youth on the roster, considering that Utah and Siakam are still injured, uh, the Raptors have played really disciplined defense for the most part. And I think that I like it. And, like, I was pretty high on the Raptors to in this season. and I But I do say to end on a bad note, like, if you were a skeptic, this is this game is a reason why. Like smart teams are gonna slow down the game <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna just bog it down and they're gonna make the Raptors complete in the half court. And like I think part of that was the back-to-back, like the Raptors didn't have the legs to run in the second half. Uh and and so they just weren't putting pressure on the Mavs to to like really get back like as much as they're going to have to, but if you're a skeptic of the Raptors, this is a great example why, because they played a great majority of the game, but just when it, when things really slowed down, um, they couldn't, they could not compete in a game like that. And, and that's why I'm low on them as a playoff team. Like I think they're going to win a good amount of games, but in a playoff setting, this team is, is still structured with some serious holes. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, honestly, I was expecting us to go for 40, 45 minutes, but I feel like this was such a good talk. This is a good discussion of the Raptors' loss, unfortunately, to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Raptors did lose 103-95 to Friday night. Uh, Saturday night, I should say, actually. Friday night was the Boston Celtics win. It's the second night of a back-to-back. Monday night, guys, I know you're excited for this one. It's the Chicago Bulls. Everyone's always excited when DeMar DeRozan um, can be seen by the Raptors fans. So we're excited for that. We'll see you next time on the Offense against defense. That'll be a good one. That's going to be really fun. Um, I was your co-host, Sahal Abdi, again here with Oren Weisfeld and Samson Folk. We'll see you guys Monday night on the wrap-up. Take care. See ya.